It's the Redirect Podcast. Search industry research, discussion, and analysis from the Black Truck Media and Marketing Headquarters. And now, redirecting you to the Black Truck Team. And welcome back to another edition of the Redirect Podcast. Uh, it is Friday, June 23rd, and this is episode number six. Uh, I am Jason and joined by other Black Truck Media Marketing team members, uh, Patrick and Ashley. And we're going to jump right in and start talking about uh, some industry trends, actionable items, and I guess things that we're just geeking out about this week. Um, so I wanted to kind of start off and, and pick up where we left off in the last episode, yes. in episode five. We didn't get to it. We kind of ran out of time. And this, this idea stemmed from an article that I had been reading on uh, Search Engine Watch, actually, from, I believe it was Andy Fable. Fable? I might have slaughtered his last name, but um, really it's optimizing images for mobile. So how are we implementing light and responsive, correctly formatted images for um, you know, mobile responsive sites? I think that's one of the biggest issues that we get into outside of just general SEO, and, and a lot of times people still don't take into account the usability and the, the actual interactions. So UX, UI, uh, performance of a site really comes down to like page load times, speeds, and mm-hmm. things like that. And um, the stat that, that Andy mentions in here I think is really, really powerful, um, you know, that 68% of a total page weight can typically be accounted for because of images. Well. So that's really, really big. And we've seen it before in, in doing technical SEO audits when we're going to that, that level and we're showing, hey, these are the areas that you need to improve mm-hmm. um, from a technical site performance perspective. It's good to remind people that when we talk about image sizes that it's not, it's not like the dimensions of the image. It's the file size. The file mm-hmm. size needs to be compressed. And, and even with Retina, Retina display like on, on a MacBook Pro and, and 4K and things like that, you know, this is still a digital device. Your eyes can only see so much. Um, you don't have to have, Patrick, you've got a, a photography background. I mean, you don't have a, what, what do I say, like 300 DPI. I don't even know what that equates to in dimensions and pixels. But yeah, you're your screen is not going to do any better than 72 dots per inch. Right. So it's all, mm-hmm. it, when it comes down to it at the end of the day, you don't have to do anything bigger than 72 dots per inch for a digital landscape. Mm-hmm. Print, print-wise, different story. You know, with the, it's, as far as mentioning the background of the photography stuff, but uh, as long as the dimensions are appropriate for the mm-hmm. way it's supposed right. to be displayed, there's, there's dimensions and then there's dots per inch. Yeah. Yeah. Dots per inch have to line up with the allowable space on your dimensions. You know, you've seen the left-right scrolls sometimes on a web page that loads up like, oh, that image is big. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, a website will, depending on the site, will render the image appropriately. If you put a 300 dpi image on a template that's supposed to be 72, and it will compensate by putting the appropriate um, northwest xy uh, <laughs> on right. there. The next thing you know. You, grandma's face is gigantic on the screen <laughs> mm-hmm. but you didn't mean to do that well it's definitely a give and take right i mean with the with the increase in 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 mobile activities um search aside just mobile actions on a site 
Um, it's the trade-off is between quality of the image mm -hmm. and the page size and the real estate that you're working with, and also what does that do for you know server load times with the page speeds? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know, you don't want to slow that down because there's you don't even have to count or mention the studies that have been done to show you know if a page doesn't load. As a user, I'm out the door. Like three seconds, right? Yeah, if yeah. I, I think three seconds is a lifetime mm -hmm. in some in some situations. Mm -hmm. For you know, I always say sit sit there in silence for three seconds. <laughs> you know, that's a really long time to have a pause. So you're not you're not going to wait for that, especially if you're on your phone. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know that a lot of uh, the the easy suggestions that that will come up. Um, Andy touches on a lot of them, but um, using things like TinyPNG um, or checking out resources on GitHub for compression tools. Sometimes it, it also comes down to, um, you know, once you get through your image optimization for sizes is um, compression and minifying uh, CSS and JavaScript calls. Um, really trying to, to get the formatting in line to, to make sure that it's formatted properly for, for screen sizes um, and load times. But Yeah, like the way, one of the things when I, every time I do like technical audit site, it's... It seems like that comes up a lot. That comes up a lot. Yeah, like yeah. I just completed one today and I, I expected it to be really bad, but it turns out I only had a, there was room to decrease it by about an eighth and still maintain integrity of images, you know, and then... Um, I, last week I did one and it said I could take it up to almost 90% and decrease in image file size and still mm -hmm. maintain the integrity of the images. Mm -hmm. I think it, it would be, don't you think it would be who of um, certain CMSs like, like Squarespace? Let's, <clears throat> let's use Squarespace for instance. Um, because WordPress, while we would love to see that happen in a WordPress environment, it would be difficult because of themes and backends and things get changed. But wouldn't it be neat in Squarespace and for individuals who are Squarespace users, maybe set the record straight, but I mean, how easy would it be the developers of Squarespace to state your image file size, so not dimensionally, but your Im image file size should be no larger than, mm -hmm. you know, like we do in AdWords, right? It should be no la larger than 150 kilobytes. Mm -hmm. yeah. That, yeah. That's that's separate from size. Yeah. It's separate from size and it doesn't quite... So if I have an image that's uh, 150 kilobytes, I'm sorry, 150 pixels by 150 pixels, the kilobyte size will be different if it's all black text versus all white text. Oh, that's a really great point. Yeah, because it depends on the data. Like, is it building data on over white? Because white can just be a clear pixel. Hmm. Where a black pixel, you have to have data to, to create that black hmm. pixel. Hmm. So it depends on the pixel conglomeration inside the image as well. Hmm. Interesting. Good stuff. Hmm. That's why not all 150 by 150 uh, pixel images are going to fall within your, you know, for example, the, the AdWords um, file size for display, you know, you, you might have the exact same image or image dimension, but completely different file size. Hmm. I, I definitely think, you know, if, if there's any question, people should just, the easy check is to run it through, um, you know, Google's. Through, through the developer toolkit, um, drop a site link in there, mm -hmm. run it through, see what it kicks back, um, follow some of these suggestions there. 
And uh, I don't want to say they make it easy because if, if you're not a developer, some of those things I could understand might be a little bit of a hurdle. But, you know, try it out on a few pages. Maybe start on a couple of your internal pages yeah. and, and test and see what you can do to get that image size down or to make little tweaks and changes. And that's, that's the route that I would take if you were unsure of it, you know, even as a site owner. Even if you're unsure or uh, maybe a little green, all it can do is make it smarter. Learn right, about true. It. Plug it true. in, play with it, see what it does. And if you're in a CMS, um, really, if you break it, there's there's generally a way to back out of it. Right. So. Right. Anyways, that's I I wanted to pick up where we left off. So. Yeah. Great. Either of you. All right. So as the resident content queen, which is. Do you call yourself a queen? Nope. Mm. Nope. Don't call me that. I can't believe you bejeweled I... your office chair. <laughs> Um, I have an article here to share uh, from Neil Patel from Quicksprout, um, how to make yourself write an entire blog article every single day. Yeah, tall order. Um, He did make it seem like it is doable, but I think you need to have a lot of time on your hands, which can be difficult. Um, But he did have some really great points. Um, The first one was read more than you write. Um, which brought me back to my days as a writing major at Grand Valley um, because my professors were always saying good writers read. So the the key to writing is reading, he says. Um, However, most blog articles are shared without even being read, um, especially on social media. Usually it's a quick scan. So it's like it almost seems like a a contradiction. Right. um, You know, because... We're always saying good writing matters, of course, but people might not be reading it. But where SEO comes in for this is sometimes a headline and a snippet are enough to satisfy a reader, which is why these elements are so important for SEO purposes. Ah, the the HuffPo approach to writing content. I mean, so it is important. um, And I, I just thought it was interesting that in the same breath as he said it's important to read, he's also saying people don't read. Um, but obviously we know that blog posts are important. So what I find fascinating about that is, is that nine times out of ten, the message of write every day comes from, uh, and I, I have a lot of respect for um, individuals like Neil Patel and Larry Kim, former founder, you know, founder of WordStream. Um, they, I want to say that the individuals like that typically have the they have the luxury and, and, you know, um, life hackers and, and individuals that want to talk about scheduling your day and stuff be damned. But typically those individuals have more time in their day if they're not assigned to a particular project or Mm -hmm. something like that. And that's not to say that you can't get there. Like, you know, could I, could I come in and sit down and bang out a piece of content every single day? Absolutely. And the more you do it, the faster you get and the better it becomes. But I also think it's very interesting that a lot of those articles come from individuals who maybe might be in that position where they, they can't do that every day. So then how do we how do we then come at it from the approach of, hey, marketing professional, you should be writing content every single day. Uh, yeah. Never mind you have a job to do, but, but generating content is a part of your job and you should really do that and be a thought leader and, and we can talk about all these buzzwords, but... Uh, I'm going to ask you also to not do these other tactical things that you need to do to actually like maybe get paid to do your job. Right. So. Yeah. It's a fine line in there and it's, it's a matter of scheduling. 
scheduling the time in. Scheduling the time in, content calendar, and then Neil. Um, one of his point, other points is to solicit pitch, pitches from others. Hmm. Um, so, you know, not taking on the whole load for yourself, asking other people to contribute, and then that can lead to further distribution and um, traffic to your website because they're going to share it with their networks as well. Um, and we talk about with content, you know, answering people's questions with your blog posts, um, seeing what kind of questions people are asking out there responding to them, whether it's something they're asking you on your website or your social media or something that you go out in the industry somewhere on the internet, find the kinds of questions that you can answer. And then, again, going back to scheduling and making it a habit with the help of a content calendar. So I know for me personally, I think it's a really tall order to be knocking out a blog post every day, but I like I like the spirit and I think there's some great points there. Well, that's good. It's real good. Hmm. I touched back on uh, an article popped out on me that touched was near and dear to my heart. Not really, but uh, <laughs> uh, link building. Uh, I cut my teeth in this industry as a full-time link builder. In pre complete, pre panda penguin days. Yeah, let's throw that out there. Yeah, before you know, we really knew what was going on. Um, so the article is pretty interesting. It came from Search Engine Land. It was published uh, on the twentieth. Uh, Julie Joyce. Um, she, I believe, is a guest blogger here, and she runs her own uh, digital outreach uh, marketing company. Um, Linkfish is the name of her company. Uh, but it, it was an interesting article, and it's, it was kind of backing up uh, what a lot of people are saying is that it was interesting coming from an industry pro who specializes in just link building, saying that, like, our, our job is tough. That is actually the first line of the article. Our job is tough. Uh, and... It's something that I've always said kind of out loud on the sideline. It's that it, you can't just go out and build links like you, like you used to. In the beginning when I learned this, mm-hmm. it was you go after the low-hanging fruit, and then you, and then you go after the, the, the long jobs, the long cons. And, and um, it's all the long job now. There's no more low-hanging fruit. You know, you've got to do the long process. Well, and even the long process isn't, uh, we, we, I mean, we know it's not scalable, right? right? I mean, it's, you it's, can go out and get those wins and that's great. Maybe that's a good foundation, right? but what do you, right. what's next? Yeah. She did some research, um, about the length of time, uh, to get a link. Uh, I think she said here hmm. that on average amount of work with her team, it was, she used to be able to study to get it around four hours. It took her four hours of the team to get a link. And, it, you know, sometimes it might be 15 minutes. And then, uh, skimmed the article, so forgive me. I read it four days ago. Um, it got longer and longer to get one link. And then the trouble she ran into is that a lot of times the link is um, in another piece of content on another site somewhere. Mm. Um, and one of the strategies out there, not necessarily black hat, but just more uh, aggressive. Gray? Yeah, Gray more, more, more of an aggressive hat. Is, um, aggressive hat. Yeah, let's say I work really hard for a couple of months and develop this relationship and finally get my link lit up in an article over there in, an, in a competitive industry. And then another SEO at another company gets another client in that industry and they start doing some outreach and they discover that link and they reach out to that webmaster and they can swap up links. Like, mm-hmm. hey, we'll, we'll throw you a bone for something. And it's, you know, I, I might I might win that link, but in 
three mm. months, I'll go back and double check that link and find that it's been swapped out for another company mm. that's in the same industry, you know? Mm. And so that's been the next level of the game. That's, that's where maybe a, a little under the radar kind of stuff is going That's on. interesting. Cause would you say too, you know, if we look at, um, look at all the discussion around and the, and the time that it could actually take to do, um, on-page optimization for to secure a featured snippet, position zero. And um, granted, there's we have to make a lot of assumptions within that. You know, we already have a page that's ranking on the first page. Um, there's a lot of factors that go into it. That's going to be a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be curious to know the benefit, the payoff of someone like that and her experience of the four hours spent there versus the time spent... Mm. Um, making page modifications right. to get position zero and yeah. take that away from a competitor um, to to see the to see the benefit there. It's that whole you know what we just discussed a minute ago. It's like okay, can I write a blog article a day? But what about the rest of my job? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like I can spend eight hours trying to get one link. But what about the rest of my job? I think it goes you back know, it's, to it's rising tides, right? I mean, yeah. you, you you know really. Uh, SEO, SEM paid search, um, your other traditional advertising, social media, content marketing, email marketing, really you should be doing all of it, right? right? And understanding that yes, budget allocations and things can't provide yeah. for all things, but at the same time, like if you're doing all of them at some level, you should be, and, and you're doing them well, you should be seeing some success out of that, right? Definitely. definitely. I mean, it's, it's all in the upward mm-hmm. kick list, you know, it's, it's moving its way up and it's not like I'm showing up at 8am starting on that one link. And when I go home at five o'clock, I, I scored one link. It's mm-hmm. very true. You know, it's, it's a long process mm-hmm. that, that eight hours to get to one link may have taken a month and a half. And that's a very difficult thing. Uh, I know you and I've had discussions about it before Patrick and, and it's a lot of those are the difficult discussions to have. So industry, if we're talking industry side, um, those are difficult discussions to have with your client or with your boss on what did you do in mm. terms of justifying yeah. your time. Right. It's like, yeah, I spent an entire day working on link building objectives and nothing came out of it. Right. Or I have three prospects out of this whole thing right. and one of them might hit. Or yeah. You know, that's a really, that's a really difficult thing to, to then go and sell, especially if you're doing it on the up and up. Yeah. And then even on the flip side of that, to to bolster that notion, it's, um, I put in that seven hours and 59 minutes and in the eighth hour it died. It, I didn't get the link. Mm -hmm. So I've done all that work and then I finally hit that last roadblock, which was an official no. Yeah. So then after my eight hours of work, what do I have to show? And isn't that true too? Like if you, you can take, for instance, um, like the overarching um, thinking here, at least in my mind, is that that's why SEO is not free. Right. Mm-hmm. Or that's why paid search is not free. And that's why social media and community management is not free. You know, there's a lot of people who say, oh, it's free. Well, we can just do that. Well, you know, I'm... <laughs> I'm paying someone, I'm allocating resources to that time to manage our community and to do it properly and to generate content takes a considerable amount of time. Right. Um, no different than answering the phone or making sales calls or something like that. You know, that, that takes a considerable amount of time as does link building and content generation and, and ongoing SEO strategies, you know? So 
That's really that's really good. We'll make sure we link to that. I For think sure. that'll be a good a good read. Yeah. Um, before we jump into, I think a, a really good discussion because I, I think I already know where Ashley's going to go. So, um, another search engine land article. I I caught this one just yesterday, and um, it's from uh, Aleda Solis. Um, the five must do technical mm. SEO audit items in 2017. And if you're uh, if you've been in the SEO space for a while, you know who uh, Elena is. Um, really fantastic individual. She's really smart, really smart on technical SEO. Um, so just wanted to run through these real quick because I think I think these are really key here. So um, the top five are mobile web crawling, um, JavaScript, JavaScript crawler uh, behavior, so content rendering. Um, how's content rendered? Structured data usage and optimization, uh, AMP configuration, so accelerated mobile pages, and then um, the fifth one is uh, HTTPS configuration. Mm-hmm. So the secure secure configuration, I think, is is really important. Um, the mobile side, I, I don't even I don't even know why we are even having a discussion around that. Like I think that's a a yes. Like that's a big check mark if you are. Again, if you are not taking mobile into consideration when you are optimizing a site, developing a site, uh, you're missing the boat completely. Mm-hmm. Um, the content rendering side, um, I, I need to read more into this. I know that there's been a lot of tests done by um, uh, Will Critchlow and the team at Distilled have done a lot on that. Um, they have a lot of different um, uh discussions on JavaScript and, and how's content being rendered by search. Like what mm-hmm. can they get through? What can they see? What can't they? Mm-hmm. Um, the structured data usage. So we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, structured data, schema markup language, things of that nature. All of those, all of those items that, um, you know, we haven't had 10 blue links for a long time. And we have images and we have videos and we have local packs and, and how do we how do we provide Google or Bing or any you know whatever the next flavor search engine is with with more information to help mm-hmm. them along? Um, so she's got some really good pieces of information in there. Um, AMP configuration, you know, I have opinions on AMP. Uh, others have opinions on AMP. I think it fits a certain um, a certain type of site. Uh, I think it. I think AMP pages can fit very well in an e-commerce setting, mm-hmm. in a news media setting. Um, by question whether it has a place in in other service type uh, sites. Agreed. Um, and then HTTPS, right? We, the ranking signals for having a secure site um, have that discussion has been going on for I feel probably about two years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in the process of de- developing our new site that mm-hmm. will hopefully launch in in the next month and a half or so and and that most certainly that was like that was a big that was a big requirement of ours is that it had to be uh, not only HTTPS with a with a secure with an SSL certificate but more so does it go HTTP2 which is kind of the yeah I don't want to say future proof but that's really next level it's a deeper level that's that's much more beyond and and there's some signals there that say it's not a ranking factor per se but it's more data Probably more yeah. data gathering. Right. Um, I thought that that was really good. Um, she has some really good good pieces of information there on what to look for, and actually tools too. There's some really good action items in there. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop talking there and and go to Ashley on on this next topic. 
Well, we had a brief geek out session together before we started recording here about the new posts on Google. Um, this is something that's been around since 2016, but it was only available to certain industry types um, back then, and it was just recently integrated with Google My Business, so you can now manage it through your Google My Business account. And uh, it was recently announced just the other day that it's available to everyone with uh, Google My Business access. And so um, there are some great opportunities here to um, capture people's attention when they find you in search with these posts that will show up in a carousel under um, your, the knowledge or in the knowledge panel um, in the Google search interface. Um, it, offers the opportunity for like one click um, call to action things like reserve a table maybe mm -hmm. or sign up or buy or get this offer. Um, you can advertise an event that's going on with start and end times. Uh, you can upload an image. You can write up to 300 words in the post and um, it's just a great opportunity for promotions, events, maybe new arrival if you're a you know e-commerce that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I think a lot is well, going to be happening here. I, I think it's the best use of Google+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, really, when, when you look at it at its core, did somebody at Google finally say, oh, I've got it? I think it's almost a combination <laughs> you know, or a byproduct or um, a growth from a combination of Google Plus and Google Authorship. Right, mm. right, true, true. Um, and it's a good way, yeah, it's just, they tested that, had a hard time getting rid of the Google Plus, uh, they quickly realized Google, the faults in Google Authorship, uh, and I think this is, we'll probably see some refinements once we start talking yeah. about it and everyone's using it. Mm -hmm. I do think that this has some staying power, though. I yeah. absolutely, I, 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 so we, we did uh, our first test post, so if you, if you do a Google search for, uh, and you should do a Google <laughs> search for Black Trek Media, um, and if you get our, if you're, if you're nearby and you get the local, the local map, the local pack, um, in the knowledge panel, you will see in there that we have, we have a post in there that is our most recent blog post of, um, you know, a lesson in local search. Um, so you'll see it. the call in there is uh, how ignoring local SEO keeps great businesses secret. Uh, quick tips on making your Google My Business listing more accurate. I couldn't think of anything more relevant to post for our first post. Right. Um, so I thought that was great. Um, but what we were really curious about was how quickly did that come up? Mm. Um, so it's a lot. What's interesting, and I think um, probably by the time people actually are able to listen to this podcast... Um, we'll have a full blog post and we'll make sure we link to it, but it, it renders a lot faster in mobile, which is, um, that makes a lot of sense because, um, I think the, the influence mm -hmm. that, that maps and local search have on, on mobile or that mobile has on local, mm -hmm. right. That makes a lot of sense. Um, but then, uh, also make sure you're not, I, I noticed that I probably, cause I was logged in in Chrome when I did the post, I couldn't get it to generate. But if I jumped over to Firefox where I wasn't, um, I was able to get it pretty quickly. Mm. Um, so within about two minutes mm. it, it rendered, which I think is pretty darn snappy. Yeah, it's great if you have any like really timely mm -hmm. announcements or mm -hmm. events to post about. 
And it's obviously dependent upon how frequently yeah. your writing gets searched too. So they allow you to have a photo in there. Um, minimum minimum sizing for posts is 344 by 344. And there's definitely, I think there's some things to be taken advantage of there is that while that's the minimum size, um, the, the kicker there is that you could have a larger image, like a larger background image. But if you have any kind of text or anything like that, like we did, um, you want that to fit in that 344 window because you upload your image and then it goes to uh, a next step, kind of like Instagram does with a mm -hmm. crop, do you, you know, mm -hmm. but you're forced into cropping it into a square. So um, if you go into it with, with the mindset of 344 by 344 is my, my viewable, um, that's great. But to Ashley's point, the call to action there is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, we've had a couple people locally talk about Hey, we're going to use UTM tracking codes on this already. Um, my my take on that is is no UTM tracking codes, and I want to see how it starts filtering data through. Oh yeah. Um, and, and then I'm also anxious to see how companies like maybe like Moz with their Moz local product or a Yext or there's countless other products out there, um, how they are using that data, how we're able to see that data in reporting dashboards. Because we know in Moz Local, we're able to see uh, what it was triggered by. Was it an image? Was it a search? Was it a map? Local mm. pack, right? Um, just like in other reporting tools, are we able to see, was that a featured snippet that, that triggered that result? Or was it an image? Or was it a video? Or right. just pure pure positioning mm. and search? So mm. um, I, I, I think if you're a local business, uh, I think you should be, you know, you should be getting on that. It doesn't have to be just offers and deals, although I think that is going to be a real hot mm -hmm. ticket. Um, I know we have a couple of our, our clients that are here locally that we could probably take advantage of that and track. Um, if you're a national business, though, think about that. You know, if somebody's vetting you, this is just another... That's another yeah. spot to distribute your contact, yeah. right? I, you, we did it just before we started recording today I didn't look that close. Was there a preview of the article at all in there? Or is it just this, the image? It's it's uh, it's the image, and then it's your short snippet, your description, and uh, then you can select a button. Uh, you know, it's learn more or mm -hmm. offer or get deal that Got type it. of that type of prompt, and um, and then you can public you can preview what it's going to look so, like. Yeah, you can set mm -hmm. up to see what it looks like. Is that yes. a surprise? Yes. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. But back to the other sidebar discussion that we had right before we started recording was where does this fall in terms of your marketing, like your marketing mm -hmm. role, like whose role is to do posts now, right? If, if local search, so the person who holds the key to Google My Business, that's all, if that's always been your SEO, well, now what? Yeah. Do we open this? Is this... Mm. What's your thought with more communications background, Ashley, on that? Well, it also makes me think about um, monitoring and responding to reviews and how that seems to be pretty underutilized by a lot of businesses that do have, you know, a Google My Business account. So I'm just thinking, you know, someone needs to be the, like, Google administrator for your business you know whether that's whether that is a marketing person or um yeah I don't know I don't know the exact answer but that just made me think of how there's it seems like and with our recent blog post it um just makes me think like there makes me think that there's more and more to be done with Google 
that can really m- make a big difference for your business and it's worth investing yeah, yeah. especially you know with the increase in mobile and local and right. everything you know, so. just the more our users become engaged the more it's developed you know it's almost like machine learning mm-hmm. for uh, people on their street out on the street mm-hmm. running around moving it because it's kind of it's kind of geo derived with mm-hmm. a lot of the, the my business you know, it's people giving uh, reviews and walking to it and being in the store. Well, in the ultimate tracking, right? I mean, yeah. uh, in, in AdWords or in analytics, it's the, you know, the ultimate objective for small businesses to be able to track, um, you know, if A, then B. So if I did um, this particular type of advertising or this social post or whatever, and we're tracking that, did it generate feet through my door? And that's all tracked because your phone is in your pocket. Your mm-hmm. phone is on your person. Um, I, I'm sure I know I'm oversimplifying that, but that's that's really what the basis of it is on right. Um, that feature is not available to everyone right now. So while that's very much geared to small business, it's it's more beta tested to like the Home Depots of the world mm-hmm. with um, you know uh, multi million dollar a year ad spends and. Um, you know, thousands of locations that right. I think that they're testing that on before they before they roll that out. So I think this all plays into factor. It's just another change in the in the local landscape. Yeah, this morning you made a reference to me to check out. Um, you got a referral for a, a lawnmower, a small. Oh lawnmower yeah. Price. yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm searching for any lawnmower. I had an incident last night. Um, just a push. Not, no, yeah, nobody, I mean, nobody lost a yeah. limb or anything. Right? You say you stay like we had. An, I had an incident. Yeah. No, they, they, you had a mechanical failure. The mechanical failure was the incident. Thank yeah. you. Yes. No Thank blood you. was shed for crying all, out loud. All digits are still attached. Uh, anyway, so um, after we were done texting this morning, I searched for that business. I found it via um, via Google and maps and whatnot. And um, they don't have a web page in their listing because I don't think they have a web page because it's a small mm-hmm. outfit. But they had like 35 reviews, Google mm. reviews. So I started reading the reviews and I instantly decided that I do not want to do business with them. Oh, in- interesting. Very, interesting. very um, unfortunate reviews to the point where even the, uh, the owner's wife was um, providing feedback, not like rebuttals to reviews, but putting her own reviews in to counter. Like she, would, it's almost like it was a like a comment on a Facebook post, almost, yeah. but yeah. it was in the form of a review. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think that I think this could also be another interesting topic, and maybe and maybe we're gonna I think we're gonna end right here, but I think <laughs> that that moving forward, look look for a couple uh, posts uh, from us blog content on Google posts and some more intricate details and um, maybe some items that we've noticed as potential advantages already. Uh, and then the other one too is on the subject of local first is can you dominate the local space or can you dominate your, your local market without having a website? Hmm. And I was going to kind of start talking more about local if we had time. Um, I'm just going to say one small little snippet in here a little bit. So Facebook is trying to get more into the local game. Mm-hmm. They're pushing hard. And I found an article, Seven Changes by Facebook, pushing for local. And um, they're starting to utilize maps more, geolocation. Mm-hmm. And uh, they made an example of uh, the author did a search for Frisco lawyers, so attorneys mm-hmm. in San Francisco. And he got back a diner in, in, uh, in Denver, uh, Dallas. He said Perfect. that search garnered one result 
in Dallas for an eatery. Uh, and so that was 18 months ago. And now there's 45 results when he does the same search, mm. all with attorneys within a 4.5 mile radius. And that's all internal of uh, Facebook. So they're really trying to push forward on that local side. And if you've got a good active Facebook page and not a very snappy standalone web page, yes, I think you can dominate the space. Interesting. Web page. Let's continue that discussion. I think we can dedicate a whole podcast to more local SEO and stuff. But um, as a wrap up, wrap up, check the show notes uh, for you know not only our uh, our sources and the articles that that we've covered, but certainly. Uh, a link to uh, a lesson in local search, our latest uh, blog post as well. And until then, good luck. Have a great week. Bye. See ya. This has been the Redirect Podcast. Check out the show notes at blacktruckmedia.com and add us on iTunes and Stitcher.